And uh, this series is called Jesus is Enough. Everybody say enough. So what we're doing in this series is we are going through the book of Colossians verse by verse. And uh, this is an exciting time for our church. You know, we haven't done a book study like this in a while. And uh, I'm super pumped for it. We're going to do a seven-week journey verse by verse through the book of Colossians. You can see right behind me what this looks like. And so as you can see, this series is all about one person. And uh, this church is all about one person. And that is Jesus. We are all about Jesus, and this series is going to be all about Jesus. And so I'm really excited to walk through uh, the book of Colossians with you. A few of our teaching team will be up here, but I get to kick it off, and uh, it's going to be a great day. So I don't know about you, but uh, I'm married. I'm going on about to hit 10 years. Amazing. And uh, one thing we do is date night. How many love date night? Like, date night is where it's at. And I know something about date night. I know that date night isn't for me. Date night is for Chrissy. All right? So on date night, my idea of date night is very different than hers. And I just realized, like, she needs date night. And so she gets to pick what we want to do. So I know a few things are going to happen at date night. Number one, we're going to eat some really good food because my wife is a foodie. Okay? So so we're going to eat some really good food. We got any foodies in the house? You love food. Okay. Uh, uh, so I know we're going to eat some really good food. Number two, second thing I know that's going to happen is I'm going to be really poor afterwards because my wife likes really good food, and so she only takes us to restaurants that break the budget, right? And so uh, I know we're going to get the foodie. We're going to, uh, you know, I'm going to have a broken wallet after this. But then the third thing I know is I'm going to have no phone. And so I don't know about you, but on our date nights, I have to hand my phone over which is a very painful thing for someone like me. You guys are like me. You have an issue, right? Come on, don't, don't leave me up here all by myself. You feel me? So every time I hand over my phone, it's like with resistance and pain. I'm crying inside. I'm like, here. And I hand her my phone uh, so that we can engage, right? Like me and her, we can talk. We can connect. We can focus. I can listen. She can share her heart, her dreams, her desires with me. And, uh, and I listen, all right? That, that's what date nights look like for a lot of it. But this idea of date night is we're there to strengthen our relationship. We're there so that her and I grow together. So that we're growing together. Our relationship is growing. We're growing. We're connecting. And today I want to talk to you about Jesus and that Jesus is why we walk worthy But this series is Jesus is Enough because this book and what Paul talks about here is that Jesus is all we need. We don't need anything else. In a world that tells you you need stuff, in a world that tells you you need all these things, we have Jesus and Jesus is more than enough. He's all we need. So Paul talks in this book about two things. The main two themes of this book is number one, Jesus' supremacy. Everybody say supremacy. So first is Jesus' supremacy, that Jesus reigns supreme above all things, above the earth, uh, above all people, that Jesus is supreme. The second and bigger theme of the book, uh, and what we're really going to focus on in this series, is Jesus' sufficiency. Everybody say sufficiency. And what I mean by that is that he is more than sufficient. He is all you need. Jesus is enough. Jesus is the sufficiency for our lives in a world that tells us we need a whole lot of other things. And so in this series, when we look at Jesus is enough, 
The theme verse is Colossians 3.9, which says this, but Christ is all and in all. Jesus is all and in all. He is enough. He is more than enough. He is all we need. And so today I want to talk to you about Jesus is why we walk worthy. Now let me set this up. I know this is a little like, some of you maybe don't like this, but some of you will. Just a little background on the book, all right? We're going to go through this book over the next seven weeks, so I thought we'd give you some background. First is it was written by Paul. He's the author, Paul the Apostle. He wrote this while in jail. In fact, historians tell us that he wrote it 62 AD, around the same time that he wrote Ephesians. So he writes Ephesians to the church in Ephesus, and then he writes this book to the church in Coloss, or Colossae, as some people call it. He writes this book, and Ephesus was about 100 miles west of Coloss. So he writes these two letters to these two churches. He'd never been to Coloss. In fact, we know on his missionary journeys that he never went to Coloss. However, Epaphras, which we're about to read the passage, and you'll hear about Epaphras, Epaphras was someone who studied under Paul. Paul shared with him the gospel, and then Epaphras went to Coloss himself, traveled there, and planted this church, started this church in this city of Coloss. Now, the reason Paul is writing them a letter is because there was false teaching happening, mainly Gnosticism. And so there's all these false teachings raising up in the church because, man, they're a brand new church and the gospel is brand new. The message of Jesus Christ is brand new. And so all these false teachings and other teachings are happening. So Paul writes this book to kind of set them straight. But he doesn't do it in a hateful way or an angry way or a mean way. In fact, as we read through this, you'll see it's very encouraging. The book is very encouraging because they're doing a lot of great things, this church in Coloss. But they also were making some mistakes along the way. So he, he writes this letter encouraging them, strengthening them, and refining some of their theology or their study of God and their understanding of what God was saying to them. And so this is the background. Hope that gave you a little context of, of this book and where we're coming from. But let's read. I'm going to read Colossians chapter number 1 starting in verse number 1. Are you guys ready? Here we go. Let's do it. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Coloss, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing. As it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, that's the guy I was talking about a minute ago, our beloved servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. This is the main idea of today. To walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to the glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the path of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray. Jesus Thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that you would let us learn what it looks like to walk worthy. That we would be a people that walk worthy of what you've given us. 
Lord, may we be changed and challenged by the word. And may we walk out of here longing to please you more. In your name, Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. So I want to talk to you about what it looks like to walk worthy today. What does it look like to walk worthy? And that's what Paul's really writing to them here. He says, I want you to walk worthy. I want you to walk worthy of this grace you've been given. So number one, realizing the hope that's been released through the gospel. So what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel that they've been ta- told about in Coloss is that Jesus was the son of God, came down as a man, lived a perfect life, died a painful death, taking all of your sin, all my sin, all the sin of all mankind, past, present, future, on himself so that we could be set right with God, so we could be forgiven and set free. This is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that you are meant for death, but now you've been given life. And so if we're going to walk worthy, we have to realize the hope that's been released through the gospel. You see, you have a hope. Everybody say, I have a hope. You have a hope through the gospel. Now, in verse 4 and 5, we see actually Paul rails off these three uh, main ideas of faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. And faith, hope, and love are three foundations to following Christ, to the Christian life. There are three principal graces in the Christian life. And we actually see it in other parts of the New Testament where we always see faith, hope, and love together. But here we see Paul is writing and he says to them, and let's start verse number four. He says to them here, he says, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for the saints. So he's like, you have faith, you have love. You do this and you have these things because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Now, here's the problem with hope in our context. We think about hope and we're like, man, I hope the Kings have a winning season in the next 10 years, right? Like it's been 12 years, maybe someday. We're like, for me, I'm like, I hope the Warriors don't win another championship. I'm a Warrior hater, y'all. So I'm like, I hope that don't happen, okay? I hope I get that job. You, you, you hope for different things. And so this idea of hope for us in our context is like, maybe it'll happen, probably not. So I'm like, I hope I get married sometime. And so we think of hope, and it's just like, maybe it'll happen, but maybe not. We don't know. But this word hope used in this verse, in verse 5, is the Greek word elpis. Everybody say elpis. And it means, when you translate it, to anticipate with pleasure, expectation, and what? Say it again. Confidence. So this is a hope that you can count on. This is a hope that you can take to the bank, as they say. This is a hope that you're not like, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. No, you have confidence in the hope that is coming through Jesus. So when he says to them, listen, you have faith, you have love, you have those because of the hope. This is what I'm talking about. We live worthy because we realize the hope that we have. When you have hope, you live worthy. So listen, I I went to college and I played basketball in Missouri at a small school, but I got a scholarship to go, which was nice, right? It covered some of my tuition, but not all of it. And so then my grandfather said to me, Caleb, if you go to that college, I'll pay for the rest. And I was like, amen to no student loans, okay? Like, amen to no debt. So I was like, I'm going there. So I went there and I'm playing basketball and I'm going to class. And let me tell you, 
It was paid for. It was free for me. It was covered. So as a result, there was this gratefulness in my heart. Because of the gratefulness in my heart that I knew, man, I'm getting this for free. I'm not going to have to pay for this ever. I worked hard. I made sure that I, I put all the effort on the basketball court I could. I was, at, I was early to every practice. I made sure that I was in class. I used to be a back row person, and I was like, I got to move up. I'm getting towards the front row. It was hard for me. I'm, some of y'all are like, I'm back row. I see you in the back row. I'm a back row person. I moved up. Why? Because I wanted to get the most out of my education. But what I saw was there was other students around me whose parents were paying for it, silver spoon, you know what I'm saying. And they took it for granted. It didn't matter that much. Why? Because they didn't have any skin in the game. I mean, this is just covered. This is just paid for. I don't even have to earn. I don't have to do anything for it. So it's free. I get it. Thanks. That's awesome. I'm not even going to try hard. I'm not even going to work. There was this different mindset. And what I've seen in the church is that often we take for granted the hope and the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You want to know why? Because you didn't have to do anything to earn it. You don't have to do anything to receive it. Jesus did it for you. He paid the price. And so as a result, we take it for granted at times. But when we realize the hope that's been released in us through the gospel, our hearts should change to hearts of gratitude. And when they change the hearts of gratitude, we begin to live and walk a life that is worthy of the gospel we've been given. Of the grace of, am I making sense today? That our heart and our mind says, man, I'm so thankful and grateful for what I've been given. I'm going to actually live in a, lot, in a way that honors that. And that is worthy of what I've been given through the grace of Jesus. So when we realize this, it changes how we walk. Number two today. What does it look like to walk worthy? We release the fruit that comes from the gospel. And Paul writes about this, and I don't know if you were paying attention when I was reading, but, but he talks about the fruit in verse number 6. And he says, which has come to you, this truth, this gospel, as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you. Did you see that? So I have two fruit trees in my backyard. Me and my wife, man, we, we love it. I have a lemon tree, and this lemon tree is the epitome of the word extra, okay? Like, that was my favorite word for a while. This lemon tree is always doing the most, all right? And what I mean by that is this lemon tree, it is producing all year long hundreds of lemons. And I'm not talking about small lemons. I mean, like, softball-sized lemons, massive lemons, but this lemon tree has like, I don't know what it is on back there. I don't know if like my wife is pumping it full of steroids. But it is just growing and expanding. And it's like taking over our yard. It's going into our, our neighbor's yard. And the, the lemon tree is on a whole nother level. Well, then right next to it is our orange tree. This orange tree, this last year, it produced two oranges. The year before that, three the year before that, one. So in one year, it's like three oranges, two oranges, one orange. Right next to it is this lemon tree doing the most and just hundreds of lemons all the time. Some of you are like, I need some lemons. I, you, come over. You can pick them yourself. I ain't doing it for you, all right? 
On Friday, I cut down half this lemon tree. I'm just cutting off branches because it's so everywhere. I literally cut down 200 lemons. I got 200 lemons in bags, and there's still another 100 up there. They're too high. I can't reach them. And, and, and so it is crazy, but this is what I'm talking about because Paul's writing here, and he says this gospel, which has gone to the whole world, is bearing fruit. And one version says, and it is growing. Another version says it's increasing as it also does among you. Here's what I found. I think in the church, some of us, we're okay being an orange tree. We're like, my orange tree, I mean. We're like, I, I got one orange, I'm good. I produced one piece of fruit in the last year. Like, I did it. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> I, I, okay, maybe two, maybe two. We'll, we'll, go the next, we'll go the extra mile this year. I'm, I'm going to go for two oranges, two. I did too, yes, oh, love you, Jesus, did it for you. It's all in your name, hallelujah. <laughs> That's not what God wants to do through us. He wants some extra lemon trees in the church of Jesus Christ. Some trees that are, man, I'm just branching out all over the place. I got lemons flying all over. They're not small lemons, they're softball-sized lemons. That's what he's looking for, a fruit that is increasing, that as we know God and we respond to God, we respond to the gospel, walking worthy means fruit comes out of us, but it doesn't just stop with, we got one piece of fruit, so I'm good. No, we increase more fruit and more fruit. That is what God is wanting to produce in you, that you would be a tree of fruit and more fruit and more fruit. Why? Because when you do that, you bless everyone around you. You are salt and light in this world as the gospel has called us to be. Releasing that fruit. So what is the fruit of the gospel? I think some of you are like, okay, you're talking about the fruit of the gospel, but I don't even know what that is. Like what does that look like practically for me? So let me give you three things. I think this is the practical fruits of the gospel. Number one, those who receive the gospel share the gospel. When you, some, somebody should have said amen. When you receive the gospel, you then share the gospel. You've been given good news, so you share good news. That's one fruit. Second, by honoring and glorifying God in response with our lives. What I mean by that is your life is no longer about you. Your life is about him. So everything you do is like, what can I do to bring honor and glory to God? Is this action bringing honor and glory to God? Is how I'm walking out my job every day bringing honor and glory to God? And third... By actions, words, and deeds rooted in love. This is the fruit of the gospel. That our actions, our words, and our deeds are rooted in love, producing this fruit of the gospel. This is what the fruit of the gospel looks like. It's not that difficult. It's pretty simple, isn't it? And yet it's hard to walk out. We have to say, God, I need your help. I need your strength to walk out this fruit from you. Number three, what does it look like to walk worthy? Reinforcing our knowledge of God and his word. Verse number nine. I want to read, it says this, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. So Paul's talking, he's like, man, we are praying for you, you church in Colossus, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul writes this, and, and I want to give you this word knowledge in Greek, is the word epignosis. And this word means full discernment. So there's a word gnosis, which maybe you've heard of, uh, 
which means knowledge. And unfortunately, we don't have as many words as they do in the Greek language. And so this wasn't the word gnosis. It was an expanded version of that word. And yet they just use knowledge in our Bible because we don't have a word to describe this. But an expanded version of gnosis is this idea of epignosis, which is a full discernment. What Paul is saying is, I want you to have a full discernment, a full understanding of the will of God for your life. A full discern, a full understanding of spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding for your life. God wants us to be strengthened in understanding and increasing in the knowledge of God. Verse 10 says, increasing in the knowledge of God. Unfortunately, we are living in one of the most biblically illiterate generations of all time. Well, in the last hundred years, couple hundred years, since we started having the Bible actually printed for us. We become more and more biblically illiterate. Why? Because we have lost the discipline of being in the Word of God. Let me tell you something. Reading God's Word is discipline. It's not always fun. I'm just telling you straight up, like, some of you are like, no, every time I read it, it's just joy. No, it's not always like that. <laughs> I'm going through, every Thursday morning at 6.30 a.m., I'm going through the Bible with a group of guys in our brotherhood group, one of the brotherhood groups here. We're going through the entire Bible in a year. And so we just got out of like Deuteronomy and Leviticus. It was rough, let me tell you. But I'll tell you something. What started as discipline has become and grown into desire in our hearts. So I'm here to tell like some of you are like, dude, it's hard for me to read the word of God. I get it. It's hard for me to be in the Bible. What starts as discipline, and it has to start as a discipline, can grow into desire. So even as we were going through like these books that are hard to read, there was this desire growing in us. And I've seen it in these other guys where we're like learning things we've never learned from books that we never thought we would read. We're like, oh my goodness, like God is telling a story through the entire Bible. I just never sat down and read it from cover to cover. And now we're doing it. And what started as discipline, and it's still discipline at times, is overall desire more of the time. If we're going to walk out and represent God and walk worthy of God, we have to reinforce the knowledge and the desire for his word in our hearts. And that only starts with discipline. Are we hungry for his word? Fourth today, what does it look like to walk worthy? Representing the gospel as people of good works. People of good works. It says in verse number 10, it says, bearing fruit in every good work. Bearing fruit in every good work. And then in verse number 11, it says, for all endurance and patience with joy. You see, we, we walk worthy by representing the gospel with the good works that God has called us to live out. So a couple of years back, or when I was in college, um, at the beginning of the year, we would, we would run and long distance run. I don't know if we got any runners in here. I'm not a long distance runner. It's really difficult for me. I'm like, a, I do sprints. I like that. I'm basketball, you know, sprints. But long distance, not my thing. So the coach at the beginning of the year was like, listen, guys. We're going to run two miles, and you have to run it in under 12 minutes. And we're going to do it again tomorrow, but whoever wins today doesn't have to run tomorrow. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like my ears perked up. And so I, would, I wouldn't say that I was the fastest person when it came to long distance, but I'm like, I'm going to try to win this because I ain't trying to run tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? 
And so we started out, and I was just hanging around like second, third place, and me and the top three guys kind of pulled away from the pack. You know, we had the centers. They're laboring in the back. And uh, us guards, us guards are running to the front. No offense if you're tall, you know. Uh, but running to the front. And uh, at the end, it was like the last couple hundred yards. I'm like, all right, I'm going to end this dead sprint. Felt like I would win. So I took off, shot out, psh, gone. Got the lead. The dude in second place behind me darts through, and we're going around a parking lot. He cuts through all the cars, like takes a shortcut. And I am ticked because I see that, like, his angle is going to beat me. So I'm like, nah, it ain't going down like that. So I just kicked it up to the next level. I mean, I'm running. I don't have ever ran at beyond 100% for a couple hundred yards. It ain't easy. So I'm like, every maximum capacity, and as I run about 100 yards away, I throw up in my mouth. Let's go to lunch, everybody. No, uh. But it was like, I'm trying to win, so I throw up and I just swallow it. Hey, you got to do what you got to do. You're trying to win. So I swallow it. I get all the way. I mean, we are almost, we get to the finish line. And he's coming at an angle, and he beats me by like a couple steps. I fall to the ground, throw up again, but this time I let it out. But in this moment, I had this realization of this whole like mind over matter thing. Because I don't know if you ever experienced like increasing your endurance. It takes time. But I also have seen where there's moments when your mind can overcome your matter. Like I was beyond my capacity. But I pushed myself to the brink. Why? Because I wanted to win. And what I found is that a lot of us in the Christian church, we're trying to get to God or live a life for God with the mind over matter philosophy. And we're like, I can just push through. I can just push myself a little harder. I might throw up along the way, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it. I'm going to do it because this is for God. I'm going to do it to bring him glory and honor. Which leads to my fifth point, which is this. We have to recognize where our power comes from. Because what I found is a lot of us are trying to walk out this life of endurance, to live this life worthy for God. But the problem is, and I haven't got to this point yet, because a lot of this, maybe you've been like, man, I need to work harder. I need to try harder. What I want you to hear from me is it's not about your strength. It's not about your power. Because you can tap into a source that will give you more power than you could ever have on your own. There is a source called the Holy Spirit that you and I can tap into in our lives. This is how we live worthy. Not in our own strength, in his strength. The Bible actually tells us that in our weakness, we are made strong. Why? Because we tap into his strength. It says in verse 11, it says being strengthened with all power. According to... My glorious might. No, that's not what it said. Y'all, stay with me. Pay attention. Strengthen with all power according to my glory. No. Strengthen with all power according to his glorious might. For all endurance and patience with joy. Listen to me, church. I go about my day and I don't have patience in my flesh. I don't always have patience with my kids. I don't always have joy when I walk into my job on Monday morning. 
I don't always have patience with that person that cut me off on the road. I don't always have joy with that person being extra in the supermarket. I don't always have those things. But when I'm tapped into his glorious might, there's a much better chance I'm going to walk out patience and joy in my life in the tough situations. His glorious might. In fact, I love this word of might. In Greek, it's the word kratos. He's the, the brother of Thanos. But I'm just, that was a horrible joke. I'm sorry. Just thought I'd pull it out. Avengers. Okay, it bombed. <laughs> kratos in Greek. Forgive me, Lord. Kratos in Greek. It means great dominion, power, or strength. Great dominion. According to his glorious dominion, his glorious power, his glorious strength. We can tap into that. Being strengthened with power that comes from his glorious might. Why do we need his strength? For endurance, for patience, for joy, for those days when we don't have anything in us, in our flesh, we can tap into him. What does it look like to walk worthy? We got to recognize where our power comes from. It comes from above. It's not from you. And finally today, what does it look like to walk worthy? It's about rejoicing in the realization of our new inheritance. Listen, I know looking out in this room, some of you are like, man, I'm a, I'm a pastor's kid. My dad's here somewhere. So pastor's kid, I know my financial inheritance is not going to be the greatest. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? My kids ain't going to be either. Some of you, your, your legacy is one of brokenness, dysfunction, and destruction. That's your legacy of your family. That's what, when you look back at your life and those that came before you, the family you came from, you look back, you're like, man, I got nothing to show in terms of a legacy. How do we live worthy? We rejoice in the realization that we have a new inheritance. We are a part of a new family. We have been given and, and attached to a heavenly kingdom. Let me read the end of this little passage here. Verse 12 and 13 says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. I want you to hear me because somebody in this room, you've disqualified yourself. You've disqualified yourself because of the family you came from, because of the mistakes you've made, the sins you've had, where you've been, what you've done. I want to tell you right now, there is a Savior named Jesus who qualifies you. It says that he has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. You've been brought into a new inheritance, a heavenly inheritance. Verse 13 says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I'm here to declare today over you, Project Church, it doesn't matter where you've been doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what family you're from, what kind of legacy you have. God has adopted you. He has brought you in. He's given you a new inheritance, and he is here to forgive you and to redeem you and to set you free. Today, this is what the church is all about, this message. The good news of Jesus Christ that you were meant for. It actually says, you guys didn't know this. 
you didn't know that you were part of the domain of darkness did you see that it says he transferred you some of you have been looking for a transfer in your job it says he transferred you he transferred you he moved you from the domain of darkness to the one of light he transferred you from the domain of darkness to the kingdom, it says, of his beloved son. What does that say to you? And I says, we are now sons and daughters alongside of our Savior, Jesus Christ. You have been transferred. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. You've been transferred. You and I. Today, I believe God wanted someone to hear in this place. God wanted someone in this place to hear that you have a new inheritance. You have a new destiny. And you have a new legacy that is beginning right now in this place. One that is rooted and grounded in the Savior, Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me across this place? We're going to pray.